Good afternoon, Lafayette. We've made it to Friday, 5 o'clock on Friday. It's the last news cruise of the week as we are trying to get home safe. Again, if you listen to the weather report earlier, the radar looks like some rain could be hitting the area. I want you guys to drive very safe, but we do have to give a very special thanks because your 5 o'clock news cruise is brought to you by Service Chevrolet Cadillac. Find new roads with Service Chevrolet located at 1212 Ambassador Caffrey or check them out online at gm.com. Service Chevrolet Cadillac has been serving your family for 50 years. And they've been doing a good job of it. All right. So yesterday, the news came out that Joe Manchin had decided not to run for U.S. Senate. He was going to step down from that position at the end of this term, make way for some new blood. You need to know that that's excellent news for the Republican Party. I mentioned this a little bit yesterday, but I want to go into a little bit more detail today because the Senate map... The Senate map is actually very favorable for the Republicans, and here's why. If you look at the map, including West Virginia, the map right now favors Republicans 50 to 47 with three toss-up states. And those three toss-up states are very winnable for Republicans. You have Ohio, Montana, and Arizona. As of right now, I think Montana is probably the surest get for Republicans. It's a state that went for Trump by 16 points. The current Democratic senator, John Tester, is probably... One of the most vulnerable guys, in fact, the National, uh, the, the National Republican Senatorial Committee, which is uh, being led by Steve Daines, the other senator from Montana, he's making a very big play for flipping that seat. His challenger, that was recruited by Daines personally, is a well-funded Navy SEAL with multiple high-profile deployments. And we're going into 2024 with a lot of foreign policy issues that Americans are worried about. So I think Montana is probably the easiest of the three to flip. If that happens, West Virginia goes like it's supposed to. All the other states go like they're supposed to, 51-47 with two other toss-ups. These other two are going to be trickier. The first is Ohio. Ohio Republicans suffered a setback just this week with a constitutional amendment that codified a right to an abortion in the state constitution But here's the thing. Now that it's part of the state constitution, Ohio Democrats can't scream about it. They they can't induce a whole lot of fear about it, especially if whoever runs as a Republican for that Senate seat against Sherrod Brown 
doesn't make a federal ban on abortion an issue. And I don't think that particular person would. That leaves Ohio as a toss-up, but in major elections, like midterms, like presidential elections, the state has started to drift to the right a little bit. And it's very possible that Ohio's Senate seat could flip to the Republican Party. Arizona's where it's trickier. The person, one of the people running, is going to be Carrie Lake, who lost a gubernatorial bid in Arizona and has ever since been filing lawsuit after lawsuit to claim that the election was stolen from her. Carrie Lake is very well loved by the deepest red parts of Arizona. But the more moderate folks in Arizona, the type of folks that would vote for John McCain election after election, they're not big fans. And the Democrats certainly aren't big fans because of how closely she has tied herself to Trump. Kirsten Cinema is running essentially as an independent. There is a Democratic congressman who is running for that who will likely lock up the Democratic vote. Kirsten Sinema is probably not going to win. So that leaves Carrie Lake versus this Democratic representative. I don't know that Carrie Lake can win that particular race. I just don't. It more or less remains to be seen if she goes with the tactics that she went with in her gubernatorial campaign not the least of which was her saying, if you voted for John McCain, we don't need you. That kept a lot of John McCain voters either not voting for her or voting uh, with her opponent or voting for her opponent. So she's at risk there. That one may not flip to the Republicans. But even if it doesn't, let's say that Ohio and Arizona stay Democrat after 2024. That's still 51-49 Republicans. Here's why it's important that we talk about the Senate map. This is, how, this is why on a local show we need to talk about the Senate map in 2024. If Kirsten Cinema is not going to win and Joe Manchin's not going to run, that's two Democrats the only two Democrats who were very vocal about not ending the filibuster in the Senate. So not only do Republicans need the majority to stop Joe Biden, they need to make sure that the Democrats don't try to ram stuff through with the bare minimum of votes because without Joe Manchin, without Kirsten Cinema, the filibuster will go away. Now, as of right now, the rest of the Senate map favors Republicans, like I said. Texas, Ted Cruz, Florida, Rick Scott, those are, they're kind of, they're, they're listed as likely and not safe Republican seats. That's because neither of them is, is, is as popular in their state 
as the other candidates are. Ted Cruz is going to win in Texas. I don't think they're going to field a decent candidate against Ted Cruz. In Florida, Rick Scott is probably safe, but Rick Scott doesn't have a lot of friends in national politics right now. Rick Scott was in charge of the NRSC before Steve Daines took over. Rick Scott used it as a fundraising mechanism for himself in order to try to maybe raise enough money for a presidential bid or to challenge Mitch McConnell as leader of the Republicans in the Senate, neither of which he was very good at. He did not win either of those, but the NRSC was a complete disaster in the midterms and the Republicans suffered because of it. Here's two other things that you need to know. These are two states, well, three states, three states that you could see Republicans make a play for. One is Pennsylvania, where McCormick, who lost to Oz in a Republican primary in the midterms, and Oz ended up losing, um, McCormick is going to run again. He might very well pull it off. We don't know. That one's kind of a, a leans Democrat. In Michigan, it's quite possible that by 2024, if the economy stays the way it is, Republicans might be able to pick that up. But the problem with Michigan, kind of like in Arizona, is that the state party is in a bit of chaos. Their leadership is in chaos, and the Michigan Republican Party is absolutely broke. but they could make it competitive and force Democrats to expend their resources there. The third one is considered a likely Democrat hold, but I don't think it's going to happen, but there is rumor swirling that Glenn Youngkin could very well challenge Tim Kaine. Glenn Youngkin will be in the third of four years, uh, in the third of a four-year term. You only get one term. You don't, you don't run for re-election in Virginia. You take a term off and you can run again, but you only get one four-year term. So Glenn Youngkin feasibly could decide in that third year, I'm going to run against Tim Kaine. Tim Kaine's not really all that popular, but they, Republicans in Virginia have never really fielded anybody against Tim Kaine of note. Glenn Youngkin's immensely popular in Virginia. He could take on Tim Kaine. He could win and go to the Senate. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's been mentioned by folks. And if that's the case, if they could flip any one of them, then you've got 52, maybe 53, maybe 54, but that's a stretch. But it requires everything to fall into place perfectly for Republicans, and there are some things that are going to be holding them back. Let's talk about that after the break. 232-1542 is the number. You can also send a message through the KPL app chat. We'll be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. It's your 5 o'clock news cruise, and we're glad to be brought to you by a service Chevrolet Cadillac, Acadiana's number one Chevy dealer for nine years in a row. Stop by and check out their huge selection today at Ambassador Caffrey. It's 1212 Ambassador. Go check them out because they've got a ton of choices in new and used cars. 
You can go there. They can work on parts and service for you. Body Shop Collision Center, all right there. They've got Fine Line Custom Auto. They've got the wash. They have so much for you. And they've got new inventory arriving daily, so you definitely need to check them out or shop online at servicegm.com. That's Service Chevrolet Cadillac, our family serving your family for the last 50 years. Find new roads with Service Chevrolet. We like to thank them for being such excellent sponsors of the 5 o'clock news crews here on the Joe Cunningham Show. All right, need to let you know real quick, Scott reached out to us on the app. Uh, it's stop-and-go situation on I-10 as you get close to I-49. The reason for that is a vehicle accident with injuries on I-49 northbound. A vehicle accident with injuries on I-49 northbound. That was about uh, 5.15 or so. Police are on scene for that one, but that is causing some traffic backups, including those of you trying to get off the ramp to get onto I-49 northbound. So that is causing some slowdown uh, on I-10 as well. So do be careful. If you need to get off uh, at I-49, if you're going uh, either either direction, you may want to uh, get off either if you're coming uh if you're coming westbound, you'll need to you probably want to get off at Louisiana. If you're going uh, eastbound, get off at uh, at Ambassador or University. All right. So before we take this break, I, I want to get this point out there. One of the big issues that Republicans saw this week in the elections that happened in several states is that they were heavily outspent by Democrats. Money is going to be an issue. Right now in the Republican presidential primary, if Donald Trump does end up being the nominee, a ton of Republican Party resources will have to be spent on Trump's legal fights and Trump's campaign. Because Trump's already spending a ton of his own money, a ton of his campaign's money, a ton of his PAC's money on those legal fights. That takes away resources in places like Montana, Ohio, Arizona. If the Republicans were to try to put up a fight in Michigan or Wisconsin or Pennsylvania or Virginia, places that lean Democrat but are not necessarily safely Democrat, they won't be able to spend as many resources there. So that's something to keep in mind is that Trump's legal situation is causing a bit of, of a financial crutch, not just for his campaign, but for the Republican Party in general. So they are going to have to do a lot more fundraising, but keep in mind something I've been shouting about for quite some time. Because Trump or no, the Republican Party has one major problem, and that's in its political consultant class. The, the Republican political consultant class is filled with people who are out to make a buck and maybe try to win as an afterthought. Democrat consultants are all in on the cause. Republican consultants are in it to make a buck. And as a result, they have run some terrible campaigns in the last several cycles. And they will continue to run bad campaigns because Republicans keep hiring them despite the fact they don't win. So Republicans will need more financial resources, but they also need a better consultant class. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that they're there's anybody out there who's really able to take up that job and do it right. 
All right, let's take a break. We've got our commodities report next, plus some commercials. When we get back, let's talk about the fight in Washington, D.C. Louisiana Congressman, now Speaker Mike Johnson, is in for a fight for a continuing resolution. We'll talk about that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. It's your 5 o'clock news cruise brought to you by Service Chevrolet Cadillac. Go check them out, 1212 Ambassador Caffrey, or since it is a little late, Check them out online at servicegm.com. we got plenty of inventory for you to check out. All right, we need to talk about Mike Johnson. We need to talk about what's going on in the House. We are a week away, in case you didn't know, from a government shutdown. And it is quite the situation up on the Hill. So one of the reports that's coming out this evening is that it looks like the uh, the hardcore conservatives, the House Freedom Caucus types, they're actually being a little more gracious with Mike Johnson than they were with Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy, by the way, you need to know, is uh, he's he they haven't said it, but the media, whenever they write about him as an afterthought to what's going on with Mike Johnson, the speaker's office in the Republican house, they're, they're writing, they're writing in that way. They usually write about when they find a strange new respect for Republican. Hey, Kevin McCarthy's not, he's not the extreme MAGA type. That's, that's Mike Johnson, Kevin McCarthy. I mean, he was just trying to cut deals with Democrats. He was fine. That's what that's how, that's the tone they're using when they're writing about Kevin McCarthy. Now they're giving him a little more space to talk trash about Republicans. Mike Johnson, meanwhile, is getting a little bit of grace from his right. Now, hes I don't mean that he's a moderate or anything like that. I mean, just people who are willing to fight the leadership in the House, no matter who it is, a lot more. Um, but it looks like what I'm hearing is that tomorrow they will unveil uh, Mike Johnson. And it's been Mike Johnson's plan all along, but it looks like they're going to unveil what they're calling a laddered continuing resolution. What that is, is a relatively clean continuing resolution, which I know is going to upset some of you, but let, let, let me explain this a little bit. This laddered, this tiered continuing resolution, what it basically does is a certain portion of the funding is going to uh, go through January, uh, go into January and a certain portion of it's going to go into February. And it looks like he can get the house on board with that. So long as it's relatively clean, he wants cuts. The, the appropriations bills he's been putting in, there have been cuts in those. The problem is moderates have been saying, Oh hell no. Take for example, transportation. There's a transportation appropriations bill uh, they had to pull that because moderate Republicans, particularly in New York, said there's no way in hell you're taking money out of Amtrak and the subway services and things like that. They were absolutely against it. Moderate Republicans are actually causing quite a bit of drama in the House right now. But so they were against that. Uh, so they they can't really make the cuts in transportation they want. They can't really make the cuts elsewhere. One of the problems right now, and this is what Matt Gates exposed, whether inadvertently or on purpose, he he really there were cracks in the dam already but what matt gates helped do is he exposed a lot of those weak points and now the waters are rushing forth the waters of self-interest in congress are rushing forth 
everybody wants what they want. They're not willing to play as a team as much. The moderates hate the conservatives because the conservatives caused all this drama and all this heartache and all this annoying voting that they had to do. And the conservatives hate the moderates because the moderates want to go back to the way things were, and we're clearly well beyond that at this point. Conservatives say, we have power in the House. Why don't you want to use it to actually enact the things that you supposedly ran on? The moderates are like, yeah, but don't cut Amtrak, among other things. So the moderates are saying no to cuts, and conservatives are saying no to anything without cuts. Now, the conservatives seem to, again, be a little more gracious now because this laddered continuing resolution is coming. Now, why the laddered continuing resolution? Because the Senate's Democrats, along with probably some Republicans, they're working on what will eventually be their own continuing resolution. It will be an omnibus bill. It will fund everything up until Christmas, essentially. They want to have this fight again in a little over a month. They want to govern by crisis. We've talked about this before. The Democrats and moderates in the Republican Party, they like to govern by crisis. They like to fund things right up until the most important times of the year. And they want to do nothing about it until those times hit so they can start having these fights. And they want to fight and they want to posture and all this stuff on these spending issues. And what Mike Johnson is saying is no. We want this laddered funding. This will carry us, carry the most important things through January, some other things through February, but it gives us time to work on the proper appropriations bills. And Democrats and some Republicans, especially in the Senate, are not happy with that. They do not like that. So Mike Johnson is having to face a lot of his own colleagues, not to mention the Democrats saying they're not going to do anything. The Democrats still mad about the Israel aid package because it cut new funding to the IRS, and they don't like that. They say they want to send aid to Israel, but they really don't want to send aid to Israel, especially right now because their loudest voices are all out there saying, screw Israel from the uh, river to the sea, etc. And they're now all worried about Islamophobia and everything like that. They don't actually want to fund Israel now. So they've got more reasons to oppose the aid, but they're using the IRS issue as the sticking issue. Part of me wants to say, Mike Johnson, scrap the bill you passed and just go and spin and see what the Democrats, see how the Democrats actually vote on that. I, I kind of want to see how Democrats would vote on Israel aid right now. Clean Israel aid, no Ukraine, no nothing else. Now, here's the thing you need to know behind the scenes. The Israel aid package that is out there, some Senate Democrats and even some Republicans in the Senate, they're, they're talking with the White House. They're saying, look, this is a pretty good deal. Let's go ahead and get this. We can appropriate stuff to the IRS later. And the White House is saying, no, the White House doesn't want to negotiate on that. The White House wants Ukraine aid to be a part of it. They want the IRS stuff, too. They don't like that the Inflation Reduction Act spending is being cut by these Republicans in the House. But they want Ukraine aid to be part of the deal. 
And Mike Johnson has said, no, Mike Johnson supports aid to Ukraine, and he's saying, absolutely not, we're not sending just blanket aid to Ukraine. If you want to give aid to Israel, which is something we should absolutely do, Mike Johnson says, here's the bill. If you want to fund Ukraine, okay, but we're going to put some monitoring mechanisms to make sure that the stuff that we're sending over there actually goes where it's supposed to go. And the White House isn't happy about that. But some Democrats in the Senate are saying we should take this deal. Mike Johnson is... The media is writing about him coming from a position of weakness because there is so much infighting in the Republican Party. But Mike Johnson passed a bill. And the White House is refusing to negotiate. The last time they did this was with Kevin McCarthy. The White House caved. And it's now pretty obvious that the reason they caved is because Kevin McCarthy was willing to give so much back to the White House in those negotiations. They don't want to cave this time because they know they're not going to get what they want out of Mike Johnson, that Mike Johnson will be tough on them. And so they're terrified of negotiating with Mike Johnson. They loved the idea of negotiating with Kevin McCarthy. They had to posture. They had to say, they had to puff out their chest and say, no, we're not going to do this. And eventually they caved. They don't want to do that with Mike. They don't want to do that with Speaker Johnson. It's pretty easy to see why. Because they're not going to get a sweetheart deal like they got with McCarthy. But we're a week away from a potential government shutdown. A laddered, fairly clean continuing resolution is coming forth. We'll probably see the bill tomorrow. What happens then? The House will vote. If he's going to unveil the bill's text, I think he's probably got enough Republicans to feel confident about bringing it to the floor. But what will the Democrats do? Will the Democrats say a shutdown is absolutely 100% not what we want and we will do anything to stop a shutdown? Are they really going to stick with that or are they going to find some reason to shoot this one down? We'll see. 232-1542 232-1542 is the number, or send a message through the KPL app chat. If you have, if you missed earlier, do want to let you know traffic-wise, there is a vehicle accident with injuries on I-10, I'm sorry, I-49 northbound. That is causing some backups, not only on I-49, but also on I-10 as well. You guys be safe. We'll be back to the show in just a moment. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Wrapping up your 5 p.m. news cruise brought to you by Service Chevrolet. I hate to do it. I really hate to do it. Um, I have to give credit to Mitch McConnell. I'm sorry. I have to give credit to Mitch McConnell. Joe Manchin would not be exiting the Senate were it not for the effort that Mitch McConnell put in to basically setting the field against him. McConnell laid the groundwork last fall when he flew out to see popular Governor Jim Justice, governor of West Virginia, the GOP leader said in an interview. McConnell said Justice initially seemed like he had never considered it, but a few months later, Justice launched his bid for Senate against Joe Manchin. After the governor got in the race, McConnell's campaign chief, Steve Daines, 
spent months trying to persuade former President Donald Trump to endorse justice, according to a person familiar with the discussions. During the ultimately successful operation, Danes argued to Trump that endorsing justice would knock Manchin out of the race and make the Democrat more likely to run for president, siphoning votes from Joe Biden. McConnell has always been a strategist in whatever works for his best interest, and this is just another one of those things. So unfortunately, McConnell deserves a little bit of credit here. Now, the thing to note is that whole president thing. Joe Manchin hasn't ruled out running for president. In fact, the No Labels group is teasing this idea of maybe Joe Manchin on a ticket with Mitt Romney, a Manchin-Romney ticket or a Romney-Manchin ticket, either which way, that would siphon off votes from Joe Biden. That would put Joe Biden in an even worse position going into 2024. If Manchin is atop the ticket, that drags a ton of votes away from Joe Biden. That works in Donald Trump's favor. Ultimately, if you split the Democratic vote, if Mitt Romney's at the top of the ticket, you're not really going to draw that many Republicans away. But the way you have a third party candidate make an impact in the race in 2024 is if there's a Democrat at the top of the ticket, because right now all the polling suggests that Democrats really want to see somebody else on the ticket. They are now convinced that Joe Biden is simply too old. So if Joe Manchin runs, that benefits Donald Trump. And that's what they were able to convince Trump of. So now we're at a point where not only does it benefit the Republicans in the Senate, this might actually help Trump in 2024. We'll see. You guys have a great weekend. Stay dry, stay warm. It's gotten a little bit cooler. But you guys just have a great weekend. I'll be back on Monday. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and email Joe at RedState.com. The podcast going live in a matter of minutes. You can subscribe by going to my Substack, the Joe Cunningham Show on Substack, or subscribing on whatever podcast service you use. Now, if you use Apple, Spotify, be sure you leave a rate, you subscribe, you leave a rating and a review. That way, it helps the show grow. You guys, talk to you again soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.